Welcome to another episode of the Global's podcast series. Institute itself is very international. You're like represented in 500 countries in 2,000 cities or across the world. So. so, so huge, huge network to, to grab onto and to get basically use that worldwide. Um, if, if you are a startup or interested in the startup scene very specifically, you arrive at Tegel Airport for the next five years, it will be Tegel. Um, you take the bus to the city and you want to do startup activities and stuff. So, so very specifically, Toby, what, what should you do? Like, what, what are the websites? What, what are the, the locations? What, what are the, the people that you should get to know? Yeah, definitely hanging around in our bar um, helps a lot. Um, I don't know how many um, uh, angel deals there were. There already have been closed um, uh, in the bar. We, there we, we even have a room here. Uh, you can close up and, and start, start, start negotiating um, right with the guy next to, next to your bar. Um, I'd say like, um, yeah, so first of all, like w just, just when you arrive, you go to the, go to the, uh, go, go to the, um, uh, how do you call it, um, Leuchtturme, the, 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 the flag, the flagship, um, uh, conferences, um, events, um, yeah, um, get a, get a feeling of the whole ecosystem. What's the names? Um, so the startup camp, uh, is definitely one, uh, it's I think the biggest early stage co um, conference, um, here, here, uh, in maybe even in Germany, um, uh, I'm not sure. Um, so that's happens. It's organized by the German startup association. There's also Heinz, um, here uh, in front, um, uh, from the German startup association. We can tell you more about that. Um, but, um, yeah, go to the startup camp, um, Go. Yeah, yesterday was uh, startup night. Um, uh, was was pretty cool just to uh, start exhibit um, your thing, um, and yeah, move on. Like get five contacts, um, helpful contacts, um, and and uh, tr try to grow your network out of those um, um, out of out, out of those con um, contacts. But there's a moment where you, where you basically should stop <laughs> yeah, and start working on your product. So so as I mentioned, don't don't become a network zombie, please. <laughs> I would like to add a couple more names. It's the Tech Open Air is another conference that you should go in Berlin. Um, and then, of course, you don't meet people when you sit in your living room and code. So, so, so in the end, it's just go, go around, talk to people, collect business cards. Um, and one great resource, very stupid, but it's meetup.com. So, so it's a startup meetup. There's every day there's meetups that you can go to. And it's a learning process where you basically you will have evenings that are totally where you get nothing out of it, but then you learn out of it, and you, every once a week you have an evening which is really productive and that you can repeat. So it's a startup mode also in the networking area. Um, what, let's talk a little bit about, about locations where you work, um, because there's the, the whole area co-working and, and corporate offices and, and innovation hubs and, and whatever, that's, that's a little crazy these days, and I think it's important to explain kind of what the differences are. Um, maybe Tanya, you, you have the longest experience with like all different versions of, of working together. Maybe you want to start. Well, obviously, I love I love the place. Um, we used to live here, so literally, I I lived and spent the night for four years with all my founders in the from the bar to the in the back. Um, so co-working spaces are amazing. Um, we've had a lot of the mushroom, right? So 
We started out, I think, back in 2012 when Startup Bootcamp moved in here. There were no corporate accelerators. There was me in Munich with WIDA, there was Hupholm, and there was Alex with uh, Startup Bootcamp in this co-working space. Since then, they've mushroomed, right? You look at not just the place, you look at Unicorn, um, you look at WeWork, obviously we don't have to talk about WeWork. WeWork is massive. I think they've got how many locations here now? Five, four, six? Holy crap, okay. And that's not gonna stop. I think in London they have 19. So um, co-working spaces are popping up. But you also have, um, so I have, unfortunately, I'm now part of a corporate, which is great, um, but we're, we're in a very corporate co-working space, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm so honest, I, you're, yeah, yeah, I can tell you lots of stories. Um, so basically, I've moved out of here, Kreuzberg, and I've moved into Friedrichshain, but literally, I'm close to where the new WeWork is, but their Volkswagen has a huge innovation lab. Uh, I'm part of the Porsche Volkswagen group. Uh, we have amazing spaces, but a lot of that entire um, stretch has become corporate because a lot of the corporates are trying to build cool innovation labs. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think Kreuzberg is still the best place to be. You've, you, know, you know, you've got Beta House, and you've got The Place, and you've got Rocket, and you've got, you've got this whole ecosystem that basically hangs out right here. Um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I yeah. mean, it's... Maybe, maybe just to add, um, so uh, I think you have the same, uh, similar experience like I have with, like, corporates and corporate accelerators. Um, so, so I started like the first corporate accelerator call years now. Um, it's not the first, my friend. But go for it. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. Um, so and uh, so, my advice for you would be, uh, as long as possible, try to not get in contact with corporates, right? I mean, that's so my the reason. Yeah. And the reason why is um, because like corporates, they're gonna they're gonna slow you down. Right, it's kind of like, and they give you like an unnatural like, uh, like, like space. It's not the, the typical space. This place here is like privately founded, so that's that's a really it's 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 a, a cool space to be in. But as you can avoid it, like like try as the founder to avoid uh, corporates as long as possible. And the reason is like, um, as the founder, you know, you need to come up with your business model and all those things, um, and you need to make connections and all this and. The corporate, they have their own interests, right? So the corporate is like, okay, we want to have like internal innovation and you have like your own KPIs, like PR KPIs, whatever. Um, and so you as a founder, uh, you need to do your own startup. You can go to co-working space like The Place, this is amazing, uh, or to, you know, to Veta House or to all the other co-working space. You can connect with other founders and this is really good, especially if you're new in the city. Um, but if you go to like there are like many I don't want to name any but uh, if there are like any corporate accelerator innovation programs and you go in there, uh, you know the benefit will be like much smaller than uh, if you if you're like in a place like this. I I, I, I also so disagree. Absolutely disagree. Oh, let's 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 go for it. <laughs> I used to let's bash Sasha now. Let's bash Sasha. Let's make this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I honestly, truly, I was in the media about eight years ago all the time because I used to say the first kiss of death of any startup is working with a corporate. And I truly believed it. And, and then I was like, can I build something that, that actually validates or dis, you know, d basically disrupts this business hypothesis? And I did, right? And you did. So let me hear your thoughts on that because I don't want to launch the mic. I, I but I... 
<laughs> but, 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 okay, I get your point. I think it depends on what stage you're at, right? If you're super early stage, a corporate will come in and basically, yeah, I don't want to say a nasty word, but they'll, they'll basically screw you, right? Because you've got a vision, you've got a map, you've got a roadmap, you think you've got a certain hypothesis you want to test and validate, a corporate comes along and wants something else from you. They're going to distract you. So I get that. But I think if you're at a certain stage, if you've basically, you've raised your, your first angel round, you've maybe even raised a small Series A, and you're at, at a start where you've maybe got 30, 30 employees or something, corporates are your best way. Um, because you're not only going to get paid, but maybe, um, maybe that distraction is exactly what you need because you've got a use case and now you're building something because you're, you're solving a problem. So this is what I specialize in. I, I scout for very specific te technologies that solve a problem that a corporate cannot develop because corporates can't develop stuff as easily. They all try to do it, but they're, remember, they're not allowed to buy a Linux Rechner. They're not allowed to use certain software tools. So they're always going to need startups to solve their problems for them. So I think it's a, it's a good thing. It depends on the stage that you're at. That's, that's my thought. What she said. So, so, so in the end, it's um, the great, great thing Sorry. about startup panels is we love each other, we know each other, but we always fight, which is great. And, and it's also great, and that's what you, what you see, is there's no single one right way. There's a certain way that's right for anybody differently and in the end I think what you both actually think I think um, are talking about the same thing in the very early stages till you have a certain traction if you have validated business model and if you're if you're really company don't deal with corporates but as soon as soon as you want to get traction and grow get significant money and a corporate pilot or something like that and this is this is exactly what what we are about um, and and we here, we focus on very, very early stage startups. And what I always say, and that's the next confrontational piece, I think the least, the last thing that a startup needs when they start is a, a glossy, shiny office and a money. Maybe I can comment on this. Um, uh, so, so one of my best friends is like a really successful investor in Silicon Valley. And so he, he, when he came here first to Berlin, he was always like, uh, you know, everyone, they have such an amazing office and they have like 30 employees, right? So he, he looked at a company which was like similar to Instagram and Instagram at this time had like eight employees and uh, this other company who was similar like Instagram, they had like 50 employees, right? And so he was like, uh, you know, um, those things are not really important, especially in the beginning, right? And so it's like, um, there's this like saying in Silicon Valley, when you start your startup, you start it from a garage, right? It's like this, the famous saying, right? And uh, I think this implicates that it doesn't really matter how your office looks like. There are certain companies, like, you know, if you're like in the fashion space, for example, or where you need like something really representative uh, as an office, but most of the companies, you need to be super scrappy as a founder and you need to save costs wherever you can, right? And uh, so if you can start at a co-working space, which is like a you know, cheap way to, to start, that's a good thing. You know, I, I would not recommend to you know, have like a, a super shiny office in the beginning. And, and on, the, on the financing? Because it basically aims at don't get money from the wrong people. So you rather get money from the right people, which is less than big money from the wrong people. 
Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I mean, like, uh, so one wrong investor can totally like screw your company, right? So if you get like one uh, investor and uh, they like certain decisions, especially here in Germany, uh, where you need like, uh, you need a signature from all the investors. Like if you hire someone, you know, with a C-level position, all the investors need to sign, right? So if you have one investor uh, who's like really like critical, um, it's always like saying, no, I, I don't go with the founder, um, that can totally like screw your company. Um, there are like ways to, um, it's not that famous over here, it's called SafeNote in the US, you can do that, uh, where they have no voting rights, for example. Yeah, but yeah. Germans, Germans hate SafeNotes. Uh, Germ exactly, yeah. Germans hate right? That's, that's why it's not that common. His convertible note is something which is like similar. Yeah, let's try not to get too much into the legal topic. Cause that's oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, but exactly. in the end, the, the wrong, the, yeah. the message is, do, do, you, do your due diligence on the investors, so, same as you do due diligence on your customers, and specifically ask the investors about, about failed investments and then talk to these CEOs of the failed companies to find out how the investors treat you in case it goes bad, because that's the character test. Um, Toby, you're, you've been bootstrapping for the last two years on your startup before you joined the place. Well, what's your take on this? <coughs> I mean, we, we raised a little round, um, uh, like early in the beginning, and I would I would say that that was also a mistake. It was it was just too early um, to 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 get this money um, because um, like uh, we basically burn it and um, then realize we still have no uh, working uh, prototype uh, right now. We're still 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 not making money, so started to bootstrap again. Um, it wasn't possible to raise a uh, raise a raise a follow up follow up round. So um, like my learning was. Um, don't raise too early. Um, yeah, we, we had a cool investor, so 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 it's fine uh, with it. But um, don't raise too early. It's just uh, it costs you so much time, and you can use this time basically. You don't have this uh, to 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 take the salary. You can use this time basically to to just work on your on your on your prototype uh, because we basically did the, did the same uh, with the full bank account, um, and we we basically didn't need the, didn't need really the money. Um, so uh, that's yeah. Don't raise don't raise too early. I respectfully disagree. <laughs> no, I mean, I, dis I disrespectfully disagree. No, no. So, of course, yeah, uh, uh, fundraising early is dangerous, right? And um, you can make a lot of mistakes there. But what it helps is um, to increase your speed. And not to increase the speed of launching or anything, but uh, it allows you to fail faster, to learn and get more data as soon as, as you can. I have developed a few different startups, some with money and some without money. And the truth is, um, the ones where I fundraised late, I spent twice or three times the time on to just learn the same thing. It's shit, you know? Every time the VC was in, I just learned the same thing, but just like after a year already. The other ones took two or three years. So um, the, 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 the VC money, angel or seed VC or venture capital, it does help you to give you professionalism and traction, not only from the market, but also from your internal process and setup and mindset. Because I know, how, I know exactly how it is to bootstrap. I've done bootstrapping several times, and it's just you are not on 140% every day. You're just not. You're not. The second external money is in, you are at 200% every day. And before that, it's just not the same thing. It's just not the same thing. Yeah, and I mean, it forces you to, to figure out your product market fit, right? Um, Taking other people's money, though, is like the worst thing. Like, my son has angels, and he's very lucky. No, I, I don't, would I give my son money for a startup? No. <laughs> I get equity for advice, no. <laughs> but, 
I'm not stupid. <laughs> no, but seriously, it's like the minute you take other people's money, you're screwed, right? Because it's like you've got to deliver. But you know what I want to talk about? I'm sorry to hijack the moderator. But how do you guys feel about access to talent? Because I think that's, that's an, an amazingly great thing in Berlin, but I think it's getting harder. I don't know how you guys feel about that. It's also to do with a lot of the corporates moving in and paying handsome salaries um, because everybody wants those great developers. So how do you guys think Berlin has evolved in terms of access to talent or especially developers? I don't know how, have you guys, how do you, how do you feel this ecosystem is? It's definitely changed. Uh, five years ago, when we put a job ad out, we got 200 applications. Uh, now, for one job ad, we get, like, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, maybe. It's quite different now. So it has definitely changed. The salaries have gone up like crazy. Like, uh, it was so wonderful a few years ago. <laughs> we didn't have to pay anything. But now it's different. So yeah, but, the, but it also makes us have to work harder. Um, for, for myself, uh, innovation agency, it makes me have to think harder, okay, how are we different than other innovation agencies, even for a startup, so, um, but then th it's this devil's circle, so you have to pay more, you have to get better, you have to fundraise more, so we're kind of in that devil's circle right now where everything is getting harder and more expensive. Yeah, um, so, so I think like, um, it's, it's actually a good thing um, because it's like, um, it's, uh, first of all, it's like more competitive, and but they're also like way more talents here in Berlin. And um, uh, on the other hand, it's like, uh, I think like people who work for corporate are not the same personality who would work for a startup, right? Especially like the de developers, right? They, they would say like, uh, they would be more interested in like, kind of like an equity package, what, what you can do, right? Um, instead of like working for corporate and getting like a six-figure salary, right? Um, and I think like it always depends on, uh, you know, I mean, this is also like a really good question is like, you know, if you're like a startup and, and you're just starting out and you have like uh, three people uh, and then you hire someone, then it's actually really easy because you can give them equity and you can tell them your vision, right? And you can tell them this is where we want to go to, but uh, what do you do if you grow and then you're like 25 people, right? And then all your equity is gone and then you want to hire like a developer and you have to compete with all the like Googles who are here and Microsoft and uh, Porsche and all this, this, those companies. And this is the only thing you can compete is like your, your vision, right? If the people believe what you do uh, has an impact, right? And if you can do this, um, this, is, this is basically the only way how you can compete. Maybe from the other perspective as well, um, if you're just arrived in Berlin and you're thinking, okay, so okay, this is the ecosystem, where can I go work? This is such a fundamental decision um, to, to figure out, are you the, the, the corporate employee? Are you a later stage startup employee or early stage startup employee? Every single life is crazy different, right? So you need to reflect, talk to people uh, what it feels like to work for a young startup, maybe to be the fifth employee where you still do everything and get no money, but you have the most amazing life. Um, or you go to a later stage startup where you can really professionalize in an industry, or you can go to a corporate, which is kind of cool, but you're gonna end up at WeWork, so, right? All right, we, we got roughly 10 more minutes. I would love to open up um, to the audience for questions. Come on, guys, wake up, questions. From what I understand, it has tax implications. So um, German, I'm not a lawyer, 
but for some reason um, there's a tax implication that you cannot write off a certain amount of your investment, which you could in other ways. So safe notes, even convertible notes, they're happening, they're more and more. Um, but a safe, there's something very specific about a safe note. I'd have to research it, but... Yeah, it's just the iRace with SafeNote for, for my current startup, but it's a Delaware, it's like a San Francisco-based company. Um, so with the SafeNote, first of all, uh, the investors, they don't have so many like voting rights. This is like one big downside for the investors. Uh, the other side is just, it's, it's not that common here in Germany, right? I talked to many investors, and they, uh, I was like, yeah, we're raising with the SafeNote, and they were like, um, they're like really serial investors. They had like, I don't know, 50 investments here in Europe, and they were like, what's the SafeNote? And uh, so it's not really that common, right? And so YC, Y Combinator, they started this like safe note and they make it like uh, really founder friendly. So it's really good for founders, but it's hard to do to raise a safe note here in Germany. It's more common in the US. American yeah, exactly. It only works for American companies. Gotcha. I've got a different, slightly different take on that. Yeah. The, the point about the safe note is what I, what I said earlier, you don't need only money. The safe note, the investor is not fully on board because he's not involved in any governance of the company. So, so, so he, you will not get the advice. You cannot, you cannot call the investor and say, hey, I need, need your help, or, and please give me that information, give me these contacts. He says, hey, I'm just, I'm just a safe note holder. I don't, I'm not really involved. So, 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 so basically the mentality of German investors often is, I want to have a real equity stake in the company, and then we are fully on the same boat, and then we can fully cooperate. And specifically for very early stage startups, I think that's important to do that. Yeah, maybe just to yeah. add to this point, so with the safe note, you have like, a, um, so it's gonna convert to the next round, right? So that basically means uh, you, you invest right now and then you have mostly like a cap, right? And uh, like, let's say like a 10 million cap. And then if you raise like 20 million, it will convert to equity. And then, it, then it's changing. But to this time, it's like, like Tobias to said, yeah. Next question, back there. Managing what? Remote teams. Um, I had a remote team, um, just uh, work. I know just a lot of uh, software houses um, from, from, from Poland. Um, I would, um, I think nearshoring is not, not a problem. Um, once it's uh, India or China or whatever, offshoring can be a problem speci specifically for, 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 um, for a young um, um, startup team. Um, but um, I mean, <coughs> in Germany, uh, since we don't have we, have, we have this competition on, 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 um, on employees, uh, especially on, on, on developers. And so I think most startups even use uh, at least nearshoring. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes you have a CTO, but that's not, it's, it's, it's the CTO is not a, not, not a developer. Um, yeah. So um, I think the whole ecosystem is, is pretty, pretty experienced in, in working with remote teams. So, oh, so I had my startup in Munich and I used nearshoring. But the only advice I can give uh, learning the hard way is um, what we did is we worked nearshoring wise, uh, like not too far. Like my developers would sit in the Ukraine and they would sit in, in Czech Republic and in Hungary. And then what we would do is bring them in one week a month to sit with you and to constantly, because nearshoring is great, but figure out like when the first investor comes in and you, you get your first code review and the code isn't documented, like all that kind of shit happens, right? So my best advice is work with that but bring the team together as much as you can, one, at least one week a month if you, if you can <coughs> afford it. 
But that's critical, because if you don't, like I've seen shit, shit, shit shows. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so I have like a, we have a fully distributed team. So our development team sits in Sri Lanka. Uh, the CEO is in San Francisco, and we do all the business development over here in Germany. Um, so I think those kind of things only work if the team has worked before, right? So for example, like um, my two co-founders, they worked before like for seven years together, and uh, our CTO he sits in Sri Lanka, right? But if it would be like an agency. Um, and you also need to think about incentives, right? So if you have this agency in India, wherever, and uh, you, you know, they're not really incentivized because they have many like projects, and if they work for you, uh, you, know, you give them like the feature set and all this, but they're not really like thinking like a founder, and you need someone who thinks like a founder. So if you have like a co-founder who is at this remote place, and you know, he's managing the team over there, then I think this uh, can work in, in an early stage startup. But what's also important, what, what Tanya just said, is like bring the team together as, as much as possible. That's, that's a huge difference. I, I just got the nice signal from the moderator. He's just made like this. <laughs> um, but, but I could convince him for, for one very last question that calls for a quick answer from all of us. So be creative. Maybe who a yes or no question. Who wants to ask the last question? Come on, be courageous. You want to be in the startup scene. Yes. If nobody has one. <laughs> How do you get into backhand? There's no yes or no, it, it depends. No, it's, it's whether ESOPs, like employee stock option plans, create double taxation in Germany. So it's a very specific tax question. Maybe, maybe we can discuss it in one-on-one. -on -one. It, it it's dependent on the design of it. A yes or no, non-tax, non-specific <laughs> question. So that, then I will ask the questions. Would you, like all of us have on average been in the startup scene between five and ten years. So what's... And that's the one sentence answer. Would you recommend somebody who's coming to Berlin today to do the same journey that, you had, that we have done in, over the last five to Ooh. ten years? Toby, do you want to? No, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just find a regular job. <laughs> no, just joking. Um, uh, yes, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's yes or no. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, gives you a lot of experience in, in a really short, short time. Um, you learn all kind of um, parts of, a, uh, of, of, of how a company works. Um, uh, you become a nice generalist. You can, you can answer on every question, and that's, that's, that's totally cool, but it's, it will be hard years um, for you. Um, yeah. After it, um, uh, you still can go to a corporate. You can still can, can go to a consultancy. Uh, you still can found your own startup. It's, well, it's one sentence. Done, Sasha. <laughs> uh, so, so well, I think there are no two persons who can take exactly the same journey, and uh, so you know, do your own journey. Uh, try as hard as possible in the beginning. Hustle. Go to as many events, and it's always good if you go to events and you already have a concrete idea, because what Tobias just mentioned, like then you have these people who only go to events and they don't do a startup or don't work on an idea. Um, so if you're working on an idea, it's so much like more efficient, right? So, you know, check out all the things you, you hear, like Tech Open Air, Meetup Group, go there and just hustle. Absolutely. Um, I can only recommend it. I think it, things have changed a little bit, and I think for the good. When I first moved here, we used to make fun of the lifestyle founders that all hang out that, are, that can afford to be lifestyle founders for seven years, um, just hanging out at Backhine. Times have changed. Um, it's not that easy anymore, but I think that's healthy for the ecosystem. So I think we now have,
because of all the, the, the rent increase and, and harder access to talent, it's healthy because you have to fail a little bit faster. We're going to see a little bit less of that lifestyle bullshit sort of I'm a cool founder, you know. You, gotta, you actually got to deliver, and, and I think that's good. So, yes, go for it. Excellent. I love your answers always. Um, we all love Tanya. So absolutely yes, but, but very, very important, be very honest to yourself about who you are and choose that path. Are you an entrepreneur or are you an employee? A lot of people who think they're entrepreneurs, they're actually not. They just think it's cool and then they are absolutely miserable and vice versa. Uh, a lot of employees could be amazing entrepreneurs. So choose the path. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for the energy, for your time on Saturday morning. Please cheer, cheer to the audience, to the, to the panel. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Global's podcast series. Music and production by Dirk Jacobs and 52 Degrees North Studio. Thank <laughs> you.